0: Egg go, hey. slendy, egg go, hey. slendy, ayy, hey. hit it up heart. Hit it the park. Hit it with a strike. Hit it with a strike. On the national anthem, anthem to the bottom of the night. i have been hey. Slendy, Egg go, hey. Slamy, go. Hey. go, Slendy, Egg go, Slendy, ay. You already know what's up. Uh, what's that another home run? Because you know the job ain't done, done. Till we hold that trophy up. Hey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 449 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is August 18th, 2023. For those that are watching on replay or listening on the podcast platforms, you're probably listening or watching this on August 19th, 2023, because this is another late night edition of the show. Just came home. Padres knocked off the D-backs 4 to nothing tonight obviously after losing the first game of this series. So they will have the final two games of this series tomorrow. On Saturday, there's the hurricane that's supposed to come in. So that's scratch Sunday's game. And now Sunday's game is going to be played as the afternoon game, the 12 o'clock game, 1210, I think, the first game. And then the regularly scheduled game will be at, I believe, 540. So nothing's going to change there. But if you have tickets for Sunday's game, you now have tickets for tomorrow's game at a little afternoon. And the gates open, I think, at like 10, 10.30. Um, So there's the situation there. But there's a lot to talk about here on the show today. Obviously, the first two games of this Padres D-back series. But not just that, also the report out about Jackson Merrill, him potentially being called up by the Padres in September. Is it a smart move? What positions would he even be playing? if he were to be called up, like, does it make sense? We'll get into that. And obviously, as always, I'll get to your comments, your questions. If anyone wants to join the show, you can click that link that is pinned up at the top of the chat. I appreciate y'all for tuning in here. Just a reminder, before we get going, you can use that code Talking Friars for $20 off your SeatGeek order. And then click that link in the description, breakingtea.com, for some great San Diego sports swag, Padres, Aztecs, Wave. Breaking Tea is always dropping a lot of great Padres theme shirt. So check it out there. Okay. So I want to start off with tonight's game because obviously that just happened. And tonight obviously did not start off well. As I said in my post game reaction, uh, a guy that had like a 70 RA going in last name fought. I already forget what his first name was. He has a no hitter through what six innings. I know at least six innings. He had the no hitter through uh, the Padres. They did not score a run in this game until the fourth inning. Um, Fought was pitching. He, I believe he pitched. Yeah, he pitched through seven. And then that's when the D backs, they put in, they, they had to go to the bullpen, obviously, because Fought, his pitches were up. Fought ended up giving up one hit. And I thought the Padres were going to get to him in that seventh inning. Soto had that double, almost was a homer off the wall by the way he made a tremendous throw uh, yeah a tremendous throw from the warning track tonight uh, a great tag by crony he was in perfect position so that was really fun to watch um but yeah soto doubles but then bogart strikes out and then what happened after that i'm totally blanking on what happened after that i think someone popped up right 7th inning A lot happened there after the seventh inning. Yeah, so Manny, that's right. After the Soto double, Manny had a really good at-bat, and he walked, Bogart struck out, and then Crony lined out to Fam. that's right. And that one, it was like, of course, Tommy Pham was the one that made that catch. You know, in the first game of this series, right, seemed like there was a ton of balls that were hit right at Tommy Pham. Former Padre, obviously. And Tommy Pham, obviously, yesterday, had a home run. And here, Crony thought I thought he put a good swing on the ball, went the other way with it, and Tommy Pham barely scooped that. And or I shouldn't say scoop because the ball didn't hit the ground. Uh, he barely saved that from being a hit, and the Padres would have taken the lead there if Tommy would not have made that catch. But thankfully, they would end up taking the lead in the eighth after Robert Suarez in the top of the eighth. Pitched well, three up, three down. Struck out Tommy Pham, by the way, after Pham just robbed Crony in the seventh. And then the eighth comes. Hit by pitch. And then credit to Bob Melvin here. He has Ben Gamble come in for Garrett Cooper. Now, was this because of an injury? I'm not so sure. Because there was a stoppage for Garrett Cooper earlier in the game to check for an injury. And he ended up staying in the game, but got, gets taken out there. Gamble comes in, lays down a bunt. Pitcher can't field it cleanly. Gamble reaches. Now it's first and second. Azokar, by the way, he pinched ran for Gary. So it's first and second. Grish gets down a bunt. And so now it's second and third with one out. And ha Kim fouling balls off, fouling him off to the right. He was just trying to reach for it. That's what it looked like. When I was watching that at Petco tonight, he was reaching for balls in that at bat, just waiting to get a good pitch to hit. Um, he was going to keep making contact till he got that good pitch, and he got it, and he singled into center. Like that was really good situational baseball right there. You use guys on your bench, you play to their strengths, right? Getting bunts down, moving runners over, getting you in a spot to get it back to the top of that of the order, or, uh, that top of that lineup, top of the order. And it ended up paying off big. Kim with the single. And then Tatis with, obviously, a big home run there. Scoring Kim, scoring Nando. And that home run to center. Again, I'm not going to say playoff atmosphere. But Petco went nuts when Nando hit that home run. And I love Nando's celebration, the bat flip. He really, really cares about this Padres team. Is That's what that showed to me tonight. Um, and the post game interview I thought was really good, and him embracing the fans obviously when he runs out to right field all the time and embracing the fans post game in that interview down on the field with Pomerantz and Sweeney. Uh, but yeah, that was an electric moment. Obviously, earlier in the week, him stealing home was amazing, and that really fired the Petco Park crowd up. And this was another moment that fired this Petco Park crowd up. Is this? Was this Nando's best bat flip that he's had? I know that's definitely recency bias. I totally recency bias flowing into my head. I totally understand that. But that was a pretty good one. I posted on uh, Instagram, I believe, and also on Twitter. Uh, Wow. I mean, it wasn't just the bat flip either. It was he flipped and then the energy that he showed after that. That was really cool to see because in real time, I saw the home run. Then I looked at Tatis and I saw him facing the Padres dugout and being super emotional looking at the Padres dugout. I did not see the bat flip because I was looking at center field. Um, so to see that back, and obviously I saw the good angle of it, like all the Padres fans watching at home did, and those that were at the game have probably already seen that now. Uh, and yeah, that was that was a pretty good bat flip right there from Nando. Um, and then Hader comes in, slams the door. And like I said on my post-game reaction, he needed to pitch in this game because there was no game Sunday. He didn't pitch yesterday. He's not going to pitch both games tomorrow, so he was going to pitch one of the games tomorrow. So he can pitch back-to-back days. You throw him today, even if the Padres weren't in that situation where they had four runs on the board or they had even one run on the board. If it was zero-zero there in the ninth inning, you throw Josh Hader because you need to win ball games. Get it to the bottom of the ninth, and then you can figure it out from there if Josh is only willing to go one inning, you know? Um, so yeah, four run lead, especially when you have a lead. Don't mess around. Don't screw around. Go to Josh Hader. Don't bring in someone else. And that's what Bowmill did. And Hader shut him down. I think it was three up, three down, had a strikeout there to end it. And what looked like it was going to be a bad night because it was a bad night for a lot of the night offensively, it ended up turning into a really good night at Petco. So I'm happy about that. But unfortunately, the Padres did not gain any ground in the wild card race tonight. Five games back still because the Miami Marlins whooped the Dodgers. The Reds are also tied with the Marlins now, 64 and 59, identical record. San Francisco is at 64 and 58. And then the Cubs, they're a game back 62 and 59. Arizona 62 and 61. Padres 59 and 64. Still five games under 500. Like we can feel good about this win, but they lost last night, right? We can feel good about that Orioles series. But the bottom line is this team is still five games under 500. I don't think we should take this team seriously. Like I said on John and Jim outside Petco earlier today before the Padres game, like I kind of agree with Jim. Don't think we should take this team super seriously until they get over 500 because I don't see them making the postseason if they finish at 500 or under 500. That's just not going to happen, right? None of those teams, and because that would require all of those teams in front of them, Cincinnati, Miami, Chicago, Arizona, to play even worse than the Padres, right? Padres five games under, if they get to 500, I don't think they're they'd be playing amazingly well but they've been, obviously, five games over 500 baseball the rest of the way. That would take a lot for the Padres to make the playoffs in that spot. So, definitely, they're going to have to go on a run, you would think, at some point here. And then things are going to have to go their way. Uh, you know, the good news is you'd think that they have a soft schedule the rest of the way here, almost the rest of the way here, especially after the rest of this homestand, the Diamondbacks tomorrow for two games, and then the Miami series you know, they have the White Sox and the A's. Who else do they have? White Sox, A's. I think they play the Rockies a bunch. Like, the Cardinals, obviously, they're out of it. I know they have some talent, but they sold the deadline, and they've been out of it for a long time. Haven't played the Brewers yet, so that, I don't think that falls under an easy matchup. But they have one of the easier schedules, I believe, in baseball the rest of the way after this homestand. So... Make up ground because this is a great opportunity to do so because it's direct head to head with the D backs, a team that are ahead of you, and the Marlins, a team that are obviously ahead of you in wild card positioning right now. Win that Miami series, and hopefully, you win at least one of the games tomorrow. If they win both, that's great, but doubleheaders, it's hard to win both of those games. So I feel like, you know, I'll be fine with them splitting in this series. Because I think Michael Walker was supposed to start on Sunday on normal rest, but now that that game's not going to happen, they're not pushing him up and put and pitching him on short rest. They're going to have Darvish, I believe, pitch game... Was it, is it game one or game two? I think it's game two. Don't know who's pitching game one yet. Um, I think the Padres probably should have Darvish pitch game one just because... You can get maybe a quality start out of him. I think it allows them to plan better instead of going all out in game one and then not knowing what Darvish is going to give in game two, if that makes sense. Um, I don't even know who they would call up. Like, would they call up uh, Yairo Iniarte? I think that's his name. I think he's top six or seven prospect in the organization. I saw, I think he's with San Antonio right now. He was scheduled to start tomorrow on Saturday, so maybe he's going to come and fly to San Diego. I don't know who the, who they're going to go with there. Um but for that game where we don't know who's starting, I would just you know, hope for the best and like I said earlier on the radio today, it's going to have to be a a really good offensive game. You know, offense show up. And then with Darvish, hopefully he can provide a quality start and you know, the Padres can Score maybe a few runs, and that'll be good enough to get the win um, in one of those two games there. And then, obviously, the other game, like I just said, see what the heck happens there. But tonight, it was a good night. It ended up being a good night, right? And, you know, even when they didn't score that run in the seventh inning, Crony put a good swing on the ball, and Pham was positioned well, made the sliding catch. And it's kind of like the other day, right? Last night, where there was a bunch of hard hit balls, and just hit right at guys. Can't really do anything about that, right? So it's not like something that Crony's going to have his head down about because he did his job there. And Manny had a good at-bat leading up to that. Soto, obviously, getting the Padres on the board in terms of hits. Didn't get the result, but they got the results in the next inning. So that's all that matters there. Now, I'm going to get to the chat. Don't worry. Definitely we'll get to the chat. I will get to all the super chats. You guys are first in line. Anyone that uses that super chat button makes it very easy for me to see your comment or your question and it supports the channel so i appreciate anyone who is generous enough to do that game one of this series obviously yesterday padres lose three to one and i put this out on social media through five innings yesterday seven of the 10 hardest hit balls by the padres were outs Xander hit one a couple feet foul uh tatis had a warning track ball i believe kim right out of the gate hit one hard Manny had a, what I thought was going to be an oppo home run and that ended up not going out. And Bogart said after the game, like, yeah, don't, don't try to be hitting home runs. He said something like this. I'm not quoting him, but pretty much said like, yeah, once it's like seven 8 o'clock here, don't be trying to hit a bunch of home runs because it's not going to work out for you. Uh, And kind of mentioning, yeah, if you want a home run, probably going to have to pull balls. And I don't want the Padres to get in that mindset. Obviously, I want them using the whole field. If the home runs come, like Nando did tonight, then the home runs come. But uh, I don't. You don't want them changing their approach just because they can't hit home runs. Um, They can, but they're gonna have to really square up the ball. I don't want them changing their approach just because of oh, it's nighttime at Petco Park, you know. Um, But yeah, yesterday it was frustrating for sure you know rich hill it was frustrating for a couple reasons obviously the offense performing well doing all that they could you know sometimes that's just baseball manny loves to say that all the time and that does get annoying but yesterday it was definitely valid for him to say that yesterday if he did say that i forget if he spoke to the media after the game yesterday but that that's that's baseball that works there because that was just baseball sometimes you don't hit the ball hard and you end up getting a hit. Sometimes you square up a ball and you don't get a hit. I think Grish squared up a ball uh, off a fought earlier tonight and it went right to the second baseman for a double play. And it's like, well, the no-hitter continues. That's that's just baseball. And sometimes in no-hitters, or most of the time, there's balls that are hit hard. It's just right at someone or there's a really good play. And that's the feeling I was getting. Uh, But thankfully, I jinxed the Diamondbacks uh, on Twitter when I wrote D back for throwing a no hitter and put that in there like five or six times, just trying to stop that from happening. And thankfully it did. And Padres got the win, but yeah, getting back to yesterday, it was disappointing because of the offense, but also rich Hill, because I thought rich Hill pitch well and Pedro Avila obviously pitched Well, he doesn't give up any runs just like he essentially does every time out. And rich Hill Sure, gives up three earned runs, and you look at the ERA, and it's not pretty, five one eight. But he only gave up two hits yesterday. Unfortunately, they were both home runs. The second one was a fly out to right. It was just a Petco Park porch job, unfortunately. And Rich feels like he's just gotten a lot of uh, unlucky things thrown his way already with the Padres. Um, you know, he did make that big mistake to Tommy Pham. You know, it was a it was a meatball right down the middle, and Tommy Pham. Took advantage of that. So good job by Tommy, I guess. Um, and Rich Hill, again, he was accountable after the game in the clubhouse, which shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Um, but, you know, the bottom line obviously, the question you see Hill go five innings, three earned runs. You see Avila go four innings, no runs. Another outing where Avila pitched well coming in after Hill. The question, should Pedro Avila be in the Padres rotation? Should he be the one to get the start the next time around? And I think the answer is yes. You look at the results. Sorry, 0.81 ERA for Pedro Avila. Like the results right there, it tells you who should be starting games. Who gives the Padres a better chance to win? Rich Hill starting games or Pedro Avila starting games? I think based on performance here, ever since Rich Hill has become a Padre, and you compare the two guys, we know the answer. Pedro Avila is the answer. He is the one that should be starting, but the Padres did acquire Rich Hill to be a starter. I don't know if they were planning on him starting every fifth day, but they acquired him to be a starter, so I think that they're going to continue starting him, and especially after his outing, uh, where he only gave up two hits, and Bob Melvin was speaking glowingly, obviously, of his start post game. They're going to give him another start, and that's just the way it's going to go, and hopefully... He doesn't give up like five or six runs in three innings of work. And the Padres will have a chance to win that game. Because what the Padres can't afford, like I said on John and Jim earlier today on the radio, the Padres cannot afford to have it be lose day, lost day, I should say, every time Rich Hill steps on the mound. You know how it's been wind day when Blake Snell's on the mound or when Joe Musgrove is on the mound before he got hurt? feels like it's wind day, you know? When is on the mound, right? Feels like it's wind day. You can't have that opposite. You can't have it be lost day when Rich Hill is on the mound because there's, it feels like I know he pitched well this past outing, but it's like a ticking time bomb, you know? Like it's going to happen. He's going to give up runs. He's not going to be perfect with his location every pitch. And we saw that the other night. He has to be perfect with his location. That's because he just doesn't have the velocity. You know, he's 43 years old oldest guy in the big leagues so yeah it just feels like that ticking time bomb and with pedro avila it doesn't feel like that and so i think at least padres fans we would be more comfortable if pedro avila would be starting games but i would not keep your hopes up if you're someone that is on that side of things like myself that wants pedro avila starting games i just don't think it's going to happen at least the next time around i don't see it happening the next time around but yeah yeah Unfortunate was this first game of this series because the offense again performed well. Couldn't control it once it went off the bat, but I thought they did well. They they squared a lot of Zach Gallon pitches up. This was a very lucky start for Zach Gallon. Six and a third, just one earned run. That doesn't tell the whole story. Definitely does not tell the whole story about how lucky he got. A lot of balls were squared up by this Padres team, and then the ninth inning. What's his name? Justin Martinez. That dude is nasty. Throwing 103 and then 88 miles per hour, the next pitch to Manny. I mean, good luck. I'm not going to be criticizing Padres batters about that ninth inning last night. Just not going to happen. And there was another part of that kind of being unlucky, right? Soto, I think he squared a ball off of Martinez in that ninth inning and he got out right. Or I don't, I don't know if he got out, but it was a force out, right? Someone got out on that, Pitch. Let me double check that. But yeah, he squared that ball up to second base, and again, that's just baseball. Yeah, it was a ground out to second base. Perdomo to Ahmed. Tatis got out at second. He walked. Yeah, Martinez was a little bit wild there. A couple walks. Um, but yeah, Padres. They weren't going to be hitting that guy. It, it felt like it was a walk. That's how you're going to get on base that's how nasty that dude was um and good thing that they won today because if they didn't obviously they'd be even more trouble because the other teams ahead of them especially the teams holding that wild card spot they won today so if the Padres would have lost they would be what six games back in the wild card instead of five all of these games are going to add up here so it's crucial to keep winning games especially when teams ahead of them uh win games as well and then capitalize when teams lose go win games you know um, but when you look at the wild card standings right now, like I am, you see Cincinnati, you see Miami tied for that last wildcard spot. You see the Cubs a game back. You see the D-backs a couple games back. And then the Padres, there's a gap between Cubs, Arizona, Miami, Cincinnati, and then the Padres. There's still a three-game gap between the Padres and the D-backs. So if the Padres win both games tomorrow, like that would obviously be huge because now you're one game back of Arizona. And you feel that more in it. You just took three out of four from Arizona. You obviously won the Orioles series. You're going to feel better about yourself going into a day off on Sunday. We'll see what happens weather-wise. And then on Monday, you know, you'll be fresh and ready to go for the Miami Marlins series if that series actually starts on Monday. Again, weather permitting, right? Um, And if they would have won yesterday, you know, Like, today was a big win, but if they would have won yesterday, you know, not have been so unlucky, and I don't like throwing the word around, that word, unlucky, because I think that there's not a lot of times, especially when you're five games under 500 like this, I'm not going to sit here and say it's all because you're unlucky, but yesterday I think it's fair to say they were unlucky. If they would have won yesterday, and then they won today, obviously, and hopefully they would win one of the next two like that's you feel really good right but now because they lost yesterday obviously it leaves open the possibility of Arizona taking both games tomorrow in the doubleheader and taking three out of four and then you're going to feel even worse about yourself uh, after tomorrow because then you're going to be six maybe seven games back or what would it be six and a half games back uh you know depending on what Cincinnati and Miami do there in that final wild card spot. So, yeah, it's been a roller coaster already in this, the, the first two games here in this Padres D back series. I did want to mention going back to today's game, where it definitely could have swung in the other direction with Seth Lugo on the mound. I think it was the fifth inning or was it the fourth? No, I think it was the fifth. Yeah. So, Lugo, obviously on the mound, and there was the pick off the first, right? Pick off the first, and Cooper, he throws to third. Kim tags the runner out. Then later in the inning, there was a wild pitch or a pass ball. I, don't, I forget how they ruled it. And that runner would have scored. And the D-backs right there, I think, yeah, they would have had the lead right there. And who knows what would have happened after that. Maybe Lavillo's report uh, approach, excuse me the D-backs manager, maybe his approach would have changed if the D-backs had a lead. Um, Maybe different relievers are used instead of whoever was used by the D-backs tonight. Um, And then obviously, like, you know, being down for nothing, that probably took a lot out of the D-backs. But if they would have had a lead going into the later innings of the game, maybe there's more confidence. I don't know what happens. That's one of those what-ifs. And that's one less out that... You know that the the Diamondbacks would have had on them, so maybe they a big inning would have happened there. But I thought that was a pretty crucial moment that allowed the Padres to shut that down. And you know Lugo, after, you know in that fifth inning, there struck out Tommy Pham with Carroll on third, Marte on first. You know, a couple runners on, obviously one ninety feet away there, who got to third because of the wild pitch, pass ball, whatever you want to say it was. Um, yeah, it was big by Lugo getting out of that because that could have definitely been trouble. And maybe the Padres don't end up going on and winning this game and they would have been 0-2 in this series. And with Miami winning tonight, right, then they would have been six games back instead of still five. Which, five, that's still a hole they got to climb out of, obviously. But that's better than obviously being six games back. All right, quick break, and then I'll get to some of the chat. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, again, so if you're just joining here, just a late night edition here, Talking Friars episode 449, talking about the first two games of this Padres D-back series, and then we'll get to the Jackson Merrill stuff here in a little bit. I did want to... Touch on Rich Hill's reaction the other night when he gave up that home run to Moreno to write the Pecco Park porch job. He you could see that they showed the camera to Rich Hill his reaction. And you could see him saying, Effing kidding me? Are you effing kidding me? And that's like an evergreen tweet right there. So if anything goes wrong with the Padres, I bookmarked that tweet and I'll probably send that out as my as my reaction to that instead of whatever GIF I want to use. Usually it's someone cussing, um, because that's how I'm feeling inside, when something happens to the Padres, when some dumb thing happens, when some Petco porch job happens. Instead, I'll just tweet out Rachel's reaction to that. that. That was pretty funny last night. It wasn't funny in the moment, because the Padres obviously were losing, um, but looking back on it, that was pretty funny. Okay. Sorry, I do see Super Chats in here, so I'm going to get to those first. JD's third, thank you so much for the support. Appreciate you. Uh, Ben, what do you make of us being below 500 since last year before Soto came and the offseason additions? Why haven't we improved? Unlucky 170 games. No, no, no. I want to be clear about that. Yesterday, I'm going to say it was unlucky because I do believe it was unlucky. But no, it's not an unlucky 170 games. There's some circumstances like Soto coming in, new team. Had to get adjusted. Probably wasn't super comfortable when he first came over. But whenever he has struggled since then, like there's no excuses, right? You're a superstar player. You got to be better. But he's been one of the better Padres this season, right? It's him and Hassan Kim I'd put up there. And you could put Tatis up there, but I know he's been slumping, at least results-wise, a little bit here. Um, but no, why haven't we improved? You know, the offseason additions, all that. I think some of it is injuries. But a lot of it, just straight being honest, is star players underperforming. And then some of the additions A.J. has made, they didn't pan out. Matt Carpenter, Nelson Cruz, obviously. Some guys just didn't pan out, right? Um, But A.J. has made some other good moves. Rugnet Odor was good for a little bit. Gary Sanchez, obviously, has been really good. Uh, Waka, bringing him in, was smart. Seth Lugo, bringing him in, was smart. So got to give him... Got to give him credit there. Preller, give him credit there. Uh, But yeah, why haven't we improved? I think a lot of it has to come down to the star players. I mean, Manny, down year. Bogart's down year for the most part. Crony, down year. Um, Some might want to argue that Crony's just declining, but I just don't believe that. I'm I'm not going to say that, oh, he's declining. I know the numbers will say that, but I'm not going to write him off. And some might say I'm biased because he's my favorite player, but okay, then... Throw my opinion in the trash. I don't care. This is just how I feel. I'm not gonna throw him out and think that okay, can't get that Jake Cronenworth back that we've seen the last couple years going into this year. Can't get him back when we're less than less than a year into this contract, right? Where we're not even zero game. We're not even one game into the contract, right? Because the contract starts next year. But yeah, it comes down to stars needing to be better. I think that's that's a lot of it. So hopefully that's a good answer there. JD's third on that. Uh, But yeah, the Padres, no doubt about it. They've got to be better. And they have not met expectations since Juan Soto arrived. Um, Now, I'm talking about regular season. Postseason, obviously, they made it to the NLCS, and we deemed that a successful season. And Soto had some big moments in the postseason. So, you know, I just want people to understand I'm talking about regular season. Uh, I definitely think it's fair... For those to say, yeah, Padres have underperformed with Juan Soto in the Juan Soto era with the Padres, if you will, uh, in the regular season, no doubt about it. Uh, thank you so much again, J.D. third. Thank you. Uh, Greasy Strangler, $2 super chat here. Thank you. Says, I heard you on John and Jim today. Congrats, Ben. Thank you. I'm not, it's not like I'm part of their show. Uh, I'm just blessed and fortunate enough that I built a relationship with those guys. And I obviously love their work. I think they're entertaining. Not so much, Jim. No, just kidding. Um, But no, I I appreciate all the opportunities that they give me. It's not like I get paid to go on there or anything like that. And it's not like I pay them, obviously, to go on there. Like They give me that platform, and they're welcome on, obviously, this show anytime. And uh, I, I appreciate their time that they give me. Um, And again, I, I just love talking baseball with other Padres fans and those that know what they're talking about with the Padres. So, yeah, again, it's not just John and Jim, but they're obviously, you know, big personalities, obviously in San Diego on the radio. And I, I think I've again, I think I've built a, a good relationship with those guys. Uh, but it, it's not just John and Jim, you know, just had Jim Callis on that episode was out earlier today. So if you missed that, you can go watch that on YouTube. Or you can go listen to that on the podcast platforms. Talked about the Padres farm system. Ethan Salas, AJ Preller, Jackson Merrill. I'll get to Merrill here in a second. Um, But, you know, Darnay Tripp, obviously. Derek Togerson. Uh, Steven Woods uh, came on last year. I think he's come on a couple times. Paul Reindel's come on a couple times. Um, I I could go down the line. Marty Caswell's come on. So, yeah, there's a lot of, you know. And then there's Padres fans that have come on, obviously. I've had a couple of Padres fans recently that have come on. So I just love talking Padres baseball with Padres fans, those that, you know, their job is to cover the Padres. I love it. Um, So I know I kind of went off a little bit, not just talking about John and Jim, but yeah, I appreciate all those people that take the time and the opportunities that I get there. Okay. I will get to the chat before I do quick break. And then I'm going to get to the Jackson Merrill stuff here. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's underdog fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy. And it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code, Friers, and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, I'm going to get to the Jackson Merrill stuff here in a moment, but I was just scrolling on Twitter or X, whatever the heck we're calling it now. Uh, And Jeff Sanders, I see here, says, You Darvish will pitch the second game of the doubleheader. To be determined, still on the first game of the doubleheader tomorrow. Machado could be in the field in the second game. And Garrett Cooper jammed wrist. So I think that's part of the reason why he exited early today. Ben Gamble came in. It ended up working out, obviously. Uh, And Carpenter could see more time at first base tomorrow because doubleheader Manny could be in the field second game. So if he's not going to be there the first game, then Kim's going to be at third, Bogart's at short, Crony at second, and then Carpenter at first, and then maybe Carpenter doesn't play the second game. I would think that's how it's going to be. Um... Again, I would go Darvish the first game of the doubleheader, not the second. But maybe because he's a vet, his routine is so strict that it comes down to the minute. And he has planned this out. Like, I'm starting at 540. So, Kim starting at 1210 or whatever the first game is tomorrow, that would screw with his preparation. Maybe that's why they do that. And that's understandable. Uh, but just from, like, a strategy viewpoint, I would... Go, Darvish game one, then you can see what he gave you. You can see, you'll have a better sense of what you can do in game two. Instead of game one, what if whoever they have start game one, you know, doesn't work out and they have to go a bullpen game in game one there? What's going to happen if Darvish doesn't do well in the second game? And then maybe they end up putting themselves in a spot where they lose both games because, you know, Darvish, uh, couldn't go deep in that second game but the Padres could be like well Darvish I don't care what's going to happen what results happen you're going to have to go deep you're going to have to give us six innings you know if you struggle well hopefully our offense will be there we'll see but also there is the off day on Sunday obviously no game so and maybe there's not even going to be a game Monday don't even know about that yet so the bullpen I I think all of them will be available tomorrow except maybe not Pedro Avilao But they'll all be good to go, and everyone is going to be on alert probably to be used because Hayter will be pitching back-to-back days tomorrow, Suarez, Barlow, and then Wilson, Cosgrove, Martinez, and Garcia haven't pitched in at least three days, I think. They've had multiple days off. So that's the good news. The bullpen's in good shape there. Okay, getting to the Jackson Merrill stuff here. Dennis Lynn, he put out a report early early in the morning. I I, I think I saw him tweeted out at a little after midnight. So this was something that he was working hard on early in the morning or late at night, I guess last night, if you want to say that. And he reported that the Padres, according to his sources internally, according to people familiar with their thinking, but not authorized to speak publicly, the team has had internal discussions about the possibility of calling Jackson Merrill up to the, majors in September when rosters expand to 28 players. It's unclear how strong that possibility currently is. But as the Padres try to save what has been a miserable season, they have not allowed, they have not ruled out trying, or excuse me, they have not ruled out turning to a precocious talent for a potential spark. Now, I just want to throw this out there before I give my thoughts on this. A.J. Preller did go on Ben and Woods earlier in the morning and I think Woodsy asked Preller about Merrill, and Preller was like, no, there there isn't much validity to that report. And he thought the report, you know, that got attention, Merrill, because he played left field in the night before. And that is true. Like, he's played left for, I think, like one game, second, short, and first. He hasn't played right, hasn't played center, I don't think, this year. But they're just going him, they're putting him in different spots. So obviously I understand those fans that make that jump to, oh, well, if they're not putting him in those positions, or if they excuse me, if they are putting him in those positions, then they've got to be thinking about calling him up, right? Because the Padres could use some help in some other positions other than the position that he plays in, obviously, shortstop, the main position. Maybe put him in the outfield, you know. And then it it was mentioned in this article here by Dennis Lynn about maybe the Padres use him in a utility role if he comes up in September, right when he comes up. But does this really make sense? I don't think it does. I think that Jackson Merrill, I don't think it's the best thing to rush him up to the big leagues when he's your number two prospect. And you put him up to the big leagues so he can sit on the bench. Is he going to play every day? If they're going to bring him up, he's their number two prospect. I want him to play every single day. And I don't know if I see that with the Padres here. We know Manny's going to be playing. We know Bogart is going to be playing. We know Kim's going to be playing. And they're not going to have Kronoworth sit, I don't think, and have Merrill go play over Kronoworth every day. And then in the outfield, they're going to have Merrill go play a corner outfield spot when he has very minimal experience there. I don't see that. Tatis isn't going on the bench. Soto's not going on the bench, and Grish is one of the better defensive outfielders, just period, in baseball, right? Especially with the glove. Um, you know, the arm I don't think is the strongest, but with the glove for sure. So, like, where is the where is Jackson Merrill getting that playing time? You know, I don't. I just I think that they should value his development, give him some more time, give him another spring training. And maybe you could do it next year, like Tatis in 2019, if he proves himself and has a really strong spring training. Then maybe you bring him up to start next season. But I just told the opinion the opinion of let's not rush him. Let's have him play out the minor league season. Maybe next year, even start him in AAA. Like I don't think there's a rush. Next year, you're still gonna have Manny Bogarts, Cronaworth, Kim, right? Like Tatis, obviously you're still going to have those infield options. And I don't think next year, opening day, you're going to be sitting there saying, we need Jackson Merrill on this team. So give him the time. Allow him to get better. Allow him, if, you, if the plan is to move him to the outfield, and I'm not saying that is, but they are playing him some there, obviously through the minor leagues there in, in his minor league season. He's in Double A now, by the way. If that's the plan, then let him get more experience out there before you bring him up to the big league level. And as for this Padres team, let this current group of guys go work their way out of this. If they want to be a postseason team, it's up to them. Don't bring in Jackson Merrill and think that that's going to be like the spark, you know? There should already be a spark on this team. There should already be motivation on this team. They shouldn't need to bring in Jackson Merrill for the guys to be motivated. Like, oh, we have Jackson Merrill now. Let's go make it postseason. Like, no, you should already have the motivation because of the fans that are showing up night in night out right i think tonight was probably another sellout at petco um great crowds all season long that should be the motivation the fans the motivation if you don't want to get motivation from the fans get it from yourself get it from the expectations. get it from i don't want to be embarrassed by missing the postseason when we had world series expectations going into this season you know have that be the motivation then you know wherever you're going to get the motivation get it but I don't think that they should be looking for motivation from Jackson Merrill potentially being called up. And do I think he's going to get called up? No, I'd be surprised if he does, but I'm not surprised that there are internal discussions about Merrill being called up because that's what AJ Perler does. Right. He just throws a bunch of different things out there. I've obviously never been in the front office and talked with AJ about that stuff. Um, but that's definitely trying to think like AJ and some of the things that he's done in the past. And some of the reports that we've seen in the past about AJ, he's always on the phone. He's always talking to people and he's a big baseball, just 24 seven guy. It's not, he doesn't, I don't think he views it just as his job. So he's thinking about it 24 seven. And of course that's going to pop into his head because he's had a history of, I don't want to say rushing and maybe some cases you could say rushing, but he's had, a history of fast-tracking guys to the big leagues if he thinks that they're ready to go. Um, was C.J. Abrams too early? Maybe. He didn't play every day when he first came up, if I remember correctly. So maybe the Padres want to avoid that. Uh, because when Jackson Merrill comes up, I want him playing every day. I don't want this to be a, a couple days a week thing because then I think you're wasting some of his service time. And, and that's obviously valuable with the big contracts that the Padres have already locked up long-term, you know? Um, so yeah, those are my thoughts on Jackson Merrill. I'm just scrolling through this Dennis Lynn article here just to see if there's anything relevant of note. He did steal home the other night right after Nando did the day after, uh, he's the ninth ranked prospect, uh, in the athletics, um, prospect rankings, Keith laws, prospect rankings. He, I believe is a top 10 prospect, according to Jim Callis and MLB.com, MLB pipeline, just like Ethan Salas is a top 10 prospect. So Again, if you missed that, go check out that interview that I did with Jim Callis. Put that out earlier today. It's on podcast platforms and on YouTube. Um, entering, or excuse me, through his first 28 games with double A San Antonio, Merrill is hitting over 300, um, 10 walks, 13 punch outs, five steals. He hit 280, 318 on base percentage with high A Fort Wayne, which is where Ethan Salas is now. Um, So, yeah, that was pretty much the big part of this article from Dennis Lynn. And then Tatis at the end saying that, yeah, he kind of sees Merrill as a version of himself, just maybe not as much power. Someone that, you know, managed himself very well in spring training. Good clubhouse guy. He's always played with emotion, always talking to everybody. So I I have a pretty good feeling about that guy, is what Tatis said to Dennis Lynn. So there's the latest on Merrill. And now, time to go to the chat. Thank you all for hanging in there. Anyone that is still here, I'm going to go through the chat here. If you want to make sure I get to your comment, you can use that super chat button, or if you want to have a question on the show, you can use that super chat button. If anyone wants to join real quick, you can click that link pinned up at the top of the chat. Uh, Greasy Strangler says, It must have been great being at Petco tonight, Ben. Yes, it was. It wasn't great the first like six innings, you know, getting no hit there. Lugo pitched well, you know, props to him. I don't think he's going to get much praise today um, or whenever people talk about this game because of what happened at the end. But yeah, he did his job. Kept the Padres in it, obviously. Didn't give up any runs. And the Padres end up shutting out the D-backs tonight. Um, Trevor says, hey, my name's Trevor, but I always watch the stream the day after at work but I was awake to see this one. That's great. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate the support. Yeah. So happy for Fernando. I was, yeah, that's one of those cool moments, you know, coming up big. Cause he results wise again, right. He, he has hit balls hard, but maybe expanding the strike zone a little bit, but yeah, results wise, he was in a slump. And so I'm not saying one home run takes him out of it, but, He's been hitting some balls pretty far, and some of them have been warning track balls. Some of them have just been hit right at guys. The defense has always been there. So, yeah, it was great to see a big moment from Fernando today. JD's third asks, will we ever meet your dog? Uh, Maybe. Maybe on one of my pregame thoughts or postgame reactions. We'll see. Uh, already got to JD's third super chat there. Already got to Greasy Strangler super chat there. Yeah, don't know if you're gonna get a dog appearance, Chad, on the show, but maybe on the channel. Uh, because he's outside. Uh, I hate hearing that word unlucky. Luck shouldn't have anything to do with it, but it's been thrown around a lot lately in regard to this team. I'm throwing it out for the first game of this D-back series. I don't want to say they've been unlucky this entire season. I don't want to say that. I'm not going to make excuses for this Padres team um, about why they've underperformed, why they're five games back, why they're they're five games under 500. I'm not going to make excuses for that. I'll just give you the reality of the situation of what was last night. And yeah, last night they did get unlucky. Chad says, Ben always grinding out the content day in, day out props for the commitment to your channel. Thank you, Chad. I love doing it. Not just because, you know, it's a passion of mine, but because it gives Padres fans entertainment as well. And so I'm here for you guys, not just not just for myself, but definitely for you guys as well. And it's great when people run into me at Petco and say hi. I appreciate you all that do that. Um, continuing to go through the chat here. Looking back at FanFest kills me, Greasy Strangler says. Uh, yeah, I mean. I get it going into the year. We were all really excited about this team. And I think we were all pretty confident in this team. And what is Tatis supposed to do up there on that stage? I guess he could say like, doesn't matter. He, I, I guess he didn't have to say, I should say. Uh, what do he say? We, we, it doesn't matter who we play. We're going to win the whole thing. It doesn't matter who we play in the world series. Someone asked them a question about that, but I mean, he was asked a question by a fan. And so he's answering it. Um, if he picks a direct team, maybe that makes other fan bases pissed off, or that sets a target more on the Padres' back. I don't know. He just gave a response, I had no problem with it. It's not like he just said that out of nowhere. I believe, if I remember correctly, it was a question from someone in the crowd at Fan Fest that he was asked on the stage in front of thousands of Padres fans in Gallagher Square, and we were all happy, right? We didn't know what was coming. We were all, I think, maybe not all, but I think most of us were pretty confident that this team was going to be a postseason team, at least, right? We were, if you, going into the year, if you said, yeah, this team, they might not make the postseason, I think some fans would have laughed at you, right? No, it's like, of course they're going to make the postseason. And I think that's how the players were acting as well. And that's part of the problem, right? They didn't bring the urgency from day one. And I think that's been pretty obvious. Okay, continuing to go through the chat here. Okay, I'm going to get to a San Diego sports topic here real quick. It was announced earlier this week that the San Diego Wave, I shouldn't say the San Diego Wave, but Snapdragon Stadium, home of San Diego Wave FC, They are going to be hosting the NWSL championship game in November. So that's going to be pretty cool. Or was that earlier this week? Or was that? No, I already talked about that, huh? I think that was a couple weeks ago. Sorry, it's late at night. It's been a long day. What I meant to talk about was the U.S. Women's National Team friendly. That's what I meant to talk about. Yeah. Um, October 29th, the U.S. Women's National Team, they have not officially announced it, the Soccer Federation. But credit to two balls and a mic. Tony Sanchez, I've had him on the show before, they broke the news that the U.S. Women's National Team, or at least that's the first person that I saw on social media say that, yes, the U.S. Women's National Team is coming to Snapdragon Stadium. And so it's going to be, I believe, a friendly October 29th. Don't know the opponent. Don't know if it's going to be the the A squad, the, the starting squad. Uh, but even if it's not, I'm sorry. That That's a really cool thing that's going to happen in October with the U.S. women's national team for anyone that has watched my videos here on this YouTube channel. One of the things that I wanted to happen for San Diego sports, what event I wanted to come to San Diego, the U S women's national team coming to San Diego. That was at the top of my list. And so I'm super pumped that this is going to be happening and hopefully they're going to have all of the star players and, the star players they come in uh through you know their club NWSL teams anyway. But like Lindsey Horan doesn't play for an NWSL team, right? Um so there are some exceptions and obviously to see all that greatness all on one roster, all playing at Snapdragon Stadium at the same time, that's going to be really cool. And even even if it's not the the A squad, you could still see some some players like Ashley Sanchez and those that didn't start during the World Cup, you can see Alyssa Thompson, obviously, um, maybe Lynn Williams, see those players play. Like, I don't think they're just going to bring a bunch of players that have never played for the U.S. Women's National Team before and have them come play at Snapdragon. I don't think it's going to be like a Gold Cup situation where the USA team, all like, they were all gone. And so I think maybe some fans didn't know a bunch of the players that were playing on that team. Um, at that time I know I didn't um, the U.S. Women's National Team is a little bit different because the, the NWSL that's the best league I think, the best women's league, the top women's league in the world um, you know the U.S. Women's National Team I know the World Cup, they didn't do great but they're the best team in the world, U.S. Women's National Team and so they have the best players in the world so if Sophia Smith, Trinity Rodman, Alex Morgan, um, Alyssa Thompson, Lynn Williams, and you just go on and on, obviously, right? You can go with defense, with with Burma, obviously. Um, you just go down the line. Alyssa Nayer with uh goalkeeping and Ashley Sanchez, Savannah DeMello, Andy Sullivan, Christy Muis, like I could go on and, on and on there. Uh if if they Alana Cook, right? They show up. Um, and play all at Snapdragon Stadium at the same time uh, on October 29th, that's going to be really cool. And that's going to be one of the bigger events, I think, this year uh, at Snapdragon Stadium. Some would say, well, Wrexham Man United is bigger. But, like, for America, the U.S. Women's National Team, like, that's that's the team, I think. And especially in San Diego with, obviously, the Wave having the success that they have. I'm surprised it took this long. I know that the dates are scheduled out in advance, but I'm surprised it took this long for the U.S. Women's national team to come to San Diego. But I'm definitely pumped for that. And it's going to be a big uh, fall at Snapdragon Stadium. Hopefully the Wave make the postseason. They can play through the playoffs, maybe get a home game. We'll see about that. Uh, They are the sixth seed right now, so they're going to have to play really good the rest of the way. Um, And if not, hopefully they can end their season at Snapdragon Stadium for the championship game. Uh, in November, and then obviously before the championship game in October, U.S. Women's National Team at Snapdragon Stadium. So it's going to be cool. I can't wait for that. And then the Wave, they play tomorrow on Saturday. The game is supposed to be at 7. It's been pushed up a couple hours to 5. So if anyone is going, 5 p.m., check the Wave website, Wave social media. They'll have the information there. It's because of the hurricane stuff, they're just pushing that all up. And so just be warned there. And that game is going to be on Paramount+. Plus. All right. Any more comments I want to get to here? I don't think so. Okay. Talking for hours, episode 449. Thank you everyone for the time. I appreciate it. Late night, 1130 PM here as we close out this show. Just a reminder, use code talking for hours, $20 off on your seat geek order. That's going to do it. A lot that we touched on here in a little bit less than an hour. Padres D-backs, first two games, disappointment in the first game, good ending in the second game, and a couple big games on Saturday. And I'll probably have a show after the two games tomorrow, just you know, reacting to the entire series, what's to come um, in this Miami series, the rest of the homestand, where the Padres obviously stand in the wildcard standings. Because they're playing an extra game, right, That tomorrow. the to, And I know it's going to get balanced out because they're not playing on Sunday. And some other teams w- will be playing on Sunday that are ahead of the Padres. Uh, but you could see a little bit of a jump if things go well for the Padres tomorrow in the wild card standings. But then it might go back down by the end of the weekend. We shall see. Again, thank you, everyone, for the time. Have a great rest of your night. You have been listening or watching to Talking Friars. Thanks so much.